Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Hello, and welcome to the BJJ Brick Podcast, brought to you by the Underwear of the Month Club. <laughs> discreetly, <laughs> discreetly bringing sexy novelty underwear to men for over 30 years. I'm on the line with my co-host, Gary Hall, and my good buddy, Byron Jabbar. <laughs> Fun fact, Byron's not only a member of the club, he's also the president. How are you guys doing today? You know, just doing great. I'm in my uh, elephant wear underwear right now, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, just having a good good time, uh, you know, twirling the trunk. What about you guys? <laughs> Doing good. I've just discovered I'm uh, part owner or maybe president of this company, and that's, uh, it's just a business is booming. No, and uh, definitely make sure you you check out our Facebook page because uh, Joe is going to put some pictures up of Byron <laughs> in the Underwear of the Month Club. Well, don't go to that. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, what do we got on the show this week? Oh, man, we've got a great episode. They, you know, sometimes a, a thing comes along and it's like, it's it's you feel like it's for you or it's not for you. It could be like a DVD or maybe a new technique or something. And like, it seems like some things people just gravitate towards more than others. And I got this app on my phone called Maroon. And we've talked about this app a couple times on the show, but I'm loving this app. It, it's really made a big difference in... Uh, it's partial motivation to train. It is uh, encouraging to see other people train. And I've I've just, I've really enjoyed the process of, I've been training since 2002 and I've never been good at documenting my training. And this is doing that for me and it's fun. And uh, Jason Elliott is the interview this week. He developed the app. He's the the guy to talk to when you want to talk about this app and 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 definitely talk about uh, what, what tracking your training can do and, and those sort of developments that this app can do for you. We also talk about jujitsu stuff. So he had some kind of some issues on the mat, and we cover those. So it's kind of just a fun conversation. We do talk about the app a bit, but it's definitely not the entirety of the conversation. But uh, the app I, I do highly recommend it. It is for free, and there's um, there's really two sides to it. There's a social network side of it, and then there's the tracker training side. And uh, I'll spell it for you real quick, and they'll be just go to the show notes, and it'll be right there for you as well. But it's M A R U N E is how you spell the uh, the name of the app there, and, and type it in wherever you find apps, and it'll pop right up. And then uh, go and add me, <laughs> uh, Byron Jabbar. Or you can search for BJJ Brick. I've got Joe connected on there as well with with my thing and so me and joe are buddies on there and uh maybe someday i'll have gary on there so <laughs> not a chance i'll never be your buddy <laughs> you know me too the well thing, gary <laughs> the one thing maroon has done is byron used to post every day three or four times a day on facebook after he trained to let everybody know about it and i don't know anymore because <laughs> he's putting it all on maroon um, maroon's a great product like byron said uh, check it out check the interview out don't miss that part um, and it's free, and it's built by Jason Elliott, who is also another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. So check it out. Yeah, that's one thing I, I you know, you joke about that. And it's fine if if you post your trainings all the time on online. That's that's great. 
Uh, none of us do that. Out of the three of us, none of us are daily posters, or even I would say we're all less than five or ten percent of the time we train. We post. Gary has. I don't think I've ever seen a training post from Gary. If somebody special comes in town, I'll, a lot of times I'll post that. Uh, but and I've seen Joe post a couple things, but not a lot. Most of the time, training goes unposted on Facebook. But I try to post. I try to get a picture every class and 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 put that up on my room because it makes it it's more fun. And the people That's there. Awesome. Are the people who do jujitsu who are be interested in that? They're not my aunts and uncles or people from work. They're jujitsu people, and so those pictures I think are, are more appropriate there. So I'm happy to to do that and, and to share uh, those pictures. And I look down those pictures and see a bunch of my buddies and and remember times training. So yeah, it's different. So as a little bit of a sales pitch, here's what I'm looking forward to the most as far as Maroon helping me out. Um, you're talking about posting your training. I can post, uh, make posts about my training on Facebook. And when I have a good week and I train four or five times, I can make multiple posts and everybody's like, Oh man, Joe's training like a madman. And then when I have an off week or, or life's getting in the way and I don't train, maybe I've got two weeks go by where I only train three times. Nobody really knows about that. It just kind of goes unknown, but there's a big buzzword in the personal growth world, accountability. And, and I think with an app like Maroon, there's some accountability there because it's a smaller community and, and the object is to post every time you post and you can go to somebody else's page and you can look at their training regimen. So if I get a week where I, or two weeks where I only train three times, that's right there for everybody to see. So, um, there's some accountability there. And, and I think that's tracking my training has always helped me. But I think now that the other people have the opportunity to look at my tracking, that's going to hold me accountable. And as somebody who uh, purports to want to pr- promote jujitsu, I, I feel uh, that I need to be accountable for that and get some training in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel it's it's motivated me a couple of times when I look on my uh, weekly training log and there's like one dot on there. You train this day. I'm like, okay, it's Friday. I gotta train. Yep. I gotta train Friday, and if I can't, I definitely gotta train Saturday. <laughs> like one dot is not acceptable uh, for what I'm wanting to, to do. My rate. Uh, looking back at last week, I've got four or five dots. I, let me pull it up. But uh, I feel good about that. Like I feel like I've I've done a good amount of training this week, and I'm good to go. I don't know. It, I think it is. There's definitely a motivation side that um, I've never needed motivation to go train, but uh, like I, I kind of get that enjoyment of, of filling it out at the end of training. Uh, guys, we have an off-the-mat lesson that we drag back onto the mat, and this time I'm going to handle that one. If I can get it onto the mat, we'll see. Uh, my wife and I were in the state of Oregon. Uh, I don't know if it was two years ago, maybe three. And driving through, we rented a car, and we're driving through. Beautiful state, and hope to return someday. But when we went to get gasoline... <laughs> Uh, I I filled up. I'm almost 40 years old. I've been driving since I was I don't know 16. I filled up vehicles with with gasoline and diesel fuel thousands of times. It's not a big deal. We go to get gas, and I'm getting it out. I'm I'm hooking it up and everything. And this guy comes over, and starts yelling at me, and he didn't speak perfect English, so there's a little bit of a language barrier there. But he was he was yelling no. And he was saying, I do, I do, no. And, and he was really adamant about this. And I'm like, man, like my first thought is I've always pumped my own gas. I, I don't, I've never gone to the thing where you tip the person and they do the full service and all that sort of thing back in, you know, the 40s. Gary could tell stories about that. 
Or if you're in New Jersey. Yes, that's right. Same thing in New, New Jersey. New Jersey and Oregon. Yep. And, and this guy's like, like he's he's upset with me. And I'm like, golly, calm down, man. I'll take my business elsewhere is what I was thinking. But I was like, I just want to get gas and get back on the highway. But, yeah, what's happening here is it's illegal to pump your own gasoline in Oregon. I, I think they've changed some of those rules in Oregon. And in some places you can, some places you can't. But, yeah, in New Jersey, it's still, I just looked it up on Google, still illegal to pump your own gasoline. And <laughs> I don't know, but maybe there's some justification behind that. I think really it's people getting money and, and, and having a job that's protected. It's not, I don't think it's a particularly dangerous thing. I've, as a firefighter, I've never been to a call where somebody, you know, has been injured by pumping their own gas. Anyway, it, he was very upset. I was not a happy customer because it's it's rare in today's day and age when a business uh a customer service person is upset with you as a customer. Like I felt like, man, this is this guy is not treating me like a good customer. All the whole while, I'm the one breaking the law, <laughs> or at least breaking the rules that that the state has. And I just didn't know the rules. That's all there is to it. And so I think you drag it back onto the mat. You go to you, you travel through, and you're, you're going to a, a, a different school and training, or a different instructors teaching at your school, or something like something might be different, and the rules might be different. And if you don't know those, you could feel like the person trying to pump gas. Like, well, I've done this a hundred times. Yeah, I've done a bunch of heel hooks. Oh, that's fine. I you know I have to do it safely. I'm not gonna injure anybody. But you could very easily get somebody upset with you. You can get somebody upset with you for the wrong geek killer. You walk in the door, and they're already upset with you because you have. You know, a camo gi or a black gi or something like that. If you know the rules, I wouldn't have ever got out to pump my own gasoline. But because I didn't know the rules, I got this guy yelling at me. I'm confused. My wife thinks it's interesting. Like, like what is going on here? And just try to figure out the rules of the gym before it gets past the point. So if it's uniform related, you'd have to look that up on on the uh, website or if you contact them. It's always good if you're traveling to call ahead and say, hey, I'm in town. I'd like to train with you guys. Anything I should know before I show up? And that's when it's their job to say, oh, yeah, we do a few things that you might not expect. You know, bring no patches on your gi. Or if you have a plain gi or maybe, you know, where your rival patches, I don't know. But just kind of knowing the rules sets you up for success instead of having an uncomfortable experience because an uncomfortable experience on the mat is a little different than somebody yelling at me uh, next to a car <laughs> could be a little bit worse I, think Byron, I like that uh, i was gonna say i like that and i'm also gonna take it you know another step too is knowing the rules you're talking about um i can think about a tournament i was cornering a guy in and um he you know it's crazy because uh there's leg locks galore in this tournament but i guess there was no heel hooks in his division we did not go to the rules meeting we skimmed over the rules it was my mistake for not checking out and um, he got disqualified from the championship match for finishing with a heel hook and you know need to know the rules Um, just a bad job of me as his coach not knowing about that yeah good uh, tournaments that's that's equally important when you sign up for a tournament you want to determine first thing thing you should do is look at the rules and Let's just say helix are are legal, you know. Well, I don't really want to change my game without helix, but you better know how to defend them because <laughs> they're going to be coming at you. You know, I think another way we could take this. Um, one thing we always talk about is growing jujitsu, growing your school. And I just thought back 
to what you were saying, you pulled up to the gas station. Um, first of all, I don't think that guy was ready. You should have never got as far as you did before that guy came out. You know, I'm thinking of a business perspective. I would want my gas pumpers to be right on that as soon as you pulled up. They should be, you know, if, with really good service, Chick-fil-A type service. They're already going to, you know, be at your window. Hey, you know, what do you want? 89, 91, 87, uh, ethanol, uh, you name it. But so I think of it as jujitsu wise. And, and I see this on forums that I'll be on and somebody will say, hey, I'm going to Wichita, Kansas. I would like to train. Uh, anybody know any good schools? And, you know, they'll point out, you know, Byron's gym. And next guy will say, yeah, I've tried uh, I've tried messaging them on their Facebook page and I've tried calling them the name, the number I found on their website and nobody has got back to me. And, you know, I also think, too, as a business owner, we need to, you know, make sure our contact information is available. We need to, uh, um, you know, so people can check with us about that but then let's say we've got a local guy who comes into our school wearing a camouflage ski and we don't allow camouflage skis maybe instead of sending him home i know like your school byron has a whole bunch of extra geese i know joe has extra geese in his gym bag that he brings all the time it's you know we never want to make a a customer feel terrible and if you don't feel good like and you said this in your exact words byron you were saying when that guy was yelling at you you're like, I don't want to be a customer of this. I'm going to go down the store and get gas down at a quick trip. Yeah, or, if it were easy, I would, have, I would have gotten across the street. But it was, it was yeah. several miles yeah. down the road. <laughs> yeah, and I can tell you if I was going to jiu-jitsu the first time and I show up in a camo gi because uh, my buddy Gary was clowning on me and telling me, hey, camo gis are the whole rage. and you know, Or are you show up in a taekwondo gi. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've seen that before. I've seen people come in in their, their taekwondo gi and, uh, you know, we, need to, we still need to make that person feel comfortable, tell them the rules for the next class and, and pass that, but maybe let him train in his Taekwondo gi. It might get ripped off or, you know, have some extra gis available, stuff like that, because, you know, we want to grow our gym. As our gym grows, we're going to, you know, have more training partners. We're going to get better and we're going to spread the jujitsu to the rest of the world. Gary, I like the way you turn that around a little bit, you know, like that Byron brought this from the uh, student's perspective, and then you kind of turn it around to the business side of it. I've got a really good organ uh, gas story as well. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I, I spent most of my life living in Oregon, and my first job was actually pumping gas. And Byron, I had to run a few guys down too, but that's not the story I want to yeah. tell. <laughs> my my wife and I were taking a trip down the coast one day and um we stopped to get gas and this was many years ago and gas was cheaper and we were driving a small car and um the guy comes up after he pumps our gas and says that'll be twelve dollars and fifty cents or something of that nature. And my wife says, Twelve fifty? She says, I've never put more than ten dollars worth of gas in this car before. So I asked the guy, I said, you know, this is considerably more than we were used to paying. I guess this dates me a little bit. <laughs> I'm worried about $2 worth of gas. But, you know, I, I called the guy out on it. And he goes, because I'm looking at the sign right there, and it's like 98 cents a gallon or something. He goes like, no, you're in the full service lane, and it's a dollar ten a gallon. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm in the full service lane? What, 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 what different services do I get for being in the full service lane? He's like, well, if you would ask me, I would check your tire pressure. I'd check your oil. <laughs> it's like. You're like, so, okay, do it. <laughs> well, I was in a hurry, so I didn't. But I'm like, <laughs> so you're telling me I paid 
10% more for this product because you would have checked the pressure of my tires. So bringing it back to what you were talking about, Gary, I, I would just add to what you said that as a business owner, you should make sure that the customers get what they're expecting or what you're selling. You know, if, right. if you say we offer A, B, and C, then, you know, guys should come in and get that and not kind of be disappointed like I, I didn't get what I was expecting. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking about when Byron – you know, the guy come running out to Byron, I, I just felt like the service wasn't there. You know, he let Byron go through so many of the steps beforehand. And, and that's just like your situation, Joe. Like maybe as you pulled it up into the full service lane because of big mistake by you driving and um, <laughs> I had to throw something out there, Joe. But, um, you know, as he goes in, hey, what kind of gas do you want? And back in your day, it was regular unleaded. So you're saying, hey, give me regular. But at that point, it's like, hey, I can check your wipers, I can check your oil, I can check your 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 tire pressure. You know, would you like those done? And you know, offer it. I mean, and uh, go from there. And you're like, hey, I want all of them. And then you, like you said, Joe, you'd felt a lot better paying ten percent more, at least knowing going on down the road that you got oil, you know, proper oil in your vehicle and you know, oil, actually, oil in your vehicle, and your your tire pressure is perfect, which is going to get you better gas mileage and hopefully make up for that extra 10% you saved. Yeah, and Joe still regularly offers to check oil on the mats. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's never asked me. He just does it. Uh, Yeah, men's health, baby. I'm all about (laughs) men's health. (laughs) Joe, what do we have for the quote of the week as I transition away from that potential disaster? Yeah, so uh, this week's quote is brought to us by a 17th century author from France, uh, Anne Ninon de la Clos. That's my best guess at how you would pronounce her name. And uh, actually, this quote is not something that I would have expected to find from a 17th century author, but I like it. Every action we take... Everything we do is either a victory or a defeat in the struggle to become what we want to be. Gary, have you ever heard that uh, you never drive on the same set of tires twice? No, I haven't. Okay. So think about it. You leave your house, you go about your daily business, and the next day when you leave your house, your tires are not in the same condition they were before. Yep. I had never thought about that, but yeah. So so that's good. And um our lives are pretty much the same, except unlike tires that continually get a little bit more worn, a little bit more worn, we have the option to either become a better version of ourselves or a little bit less. And it's you're never the same twice. So I like that this puts the emphasis on the actions that we take and the decisions that we make. And um, yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to be either a little bit closer to the version of myself that I want to be. I'm going to be a little bit behind. So it's up to me and it's up to you uh, whether you're closer or further. I like that, Joe. And I like thinking about this as, you know, with Jason Elliott with the maroon. I'm sitting there thinking about you brought that up too, Byron. uh, Or it was you, Joe, brought it up about being held accountable for your training. You think about maroon. Maroon, you're putting it out there. Your, Your teammates, your friends know that you're training. You're doing something to make you a better jiu-jitsu person, which in turn I think makes you a better person each and every day. You're, you're being held accountable, you know, by putting it on maroon, by letting your, your buddies know. But uh, I really like this this quote right here. Yeah, it is a good one. I think it also uh, helps with the outlook on things because 
we're going to have victories and we're going to suffer defeats. If we remember that a defeat is not permanent, think of it as part of the struggle in becoming who you're going to be ultimately. And I think a, a defeat is really going to help us. We, we are going to have defeats. It's never going to be, you know, we're not going to be 400 and 0. We're always going to have defeats, you know, coming up. You know, we're always going to run into to a loss. Carrie's one of beat. the most versatile people in defeats I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're, we're going to learn from our defeats, and yeah, that's going to keep us. That's going to keep us on our path, and and make us better if we keep an open mind. Because there are, there are people who, you know, lose and and. You know, I hear this every week, you know, especially on Saturdays and Sundays when their favorite college football team or their favorite pro football team loses. You know, I, I got a buddy who's a big K-State fan. And every time they lose, it's always the ref's fault. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, you imagine if this guy trained jiu-jitsu with us? Like, he would probably be the least popular guy in the whole place. He would probably never get better because every time he got tapped out, he's going to find a reason to blame somebody. And, you know, then I see the people who... who take a defeat and I, I don't like to call it a losing you know because I, I still don't think there's winning or losing I think it's you know winning or learning well, but or in football you lose yeah, there's you a lose, win and a but, loss but you know I do think you learn I, I can think of so many times uh, let's say I lose in a jiu-jitsu match I, I, can, I can get more out of that a lot of times than winning there's just so much to it you know to get me back on path and, and it's going to depend on my attitude you know how I feel about that. Am I going to complain and blame the referees? Am I going to blame the other guy for, you know, say he sandbagged? Am I going to, you know, blame this and that instead of, you know, keeping an open mind? And speaking of that, you know, talking about sandbagging or whatever, I saw a cool quote about wrestling. And, uh, you know, they're talking about seats for a tournament. And they had a, a wrestler, you know, in, in the meme. And it just said, you know, I don't, how did it go? Something like, I don't worry about seed. Ah, I can't even remember it, but it was just something that don't worry about the seed. Just go out there and wrestle. And, and it was a great meme, and I'm going to try to find it. And if I do, I'll uh, get it posted on our Facebook page. Gary, you make a great <laughs> point about that quote. You, well, you would have made a great point about the quote. I would have if I could remember. <laughs> You're one step closer, Gary. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gary, that point about the uh, – NFL, though, it's interesting and blaming the refs. It's interesting that the higher you go in organized sports towards excellence, towards the top level, the less you see of that. You know, you see uh, um, uh, a high school player is much more likely to be concerned about bad calls or bad play calling or, you know, finding someone else to blame. And man, I really appreciate when you see a, a high level quarterback or a coach and you know, you see a post-game interview, and they've got reason. Maybe there was a bad call made. They've got reason to blame the ref or blame some outside circumstances, injuries to a star player or something, and they never do. They say, you know, we just we needed to play better. We need to focus on the details. We need to be more disciplined. Uh, they always take personal responsibility for the loss and, uh, as opposed to blaming on somebody else. That's a good point, Joe. Yeah. I, I think of a lot of athletes I've interviewed on here, and – uh, they they lost the decision because they thought they were winning. And I, you know what? I could have pushed the pace. I could have went for this mission. I could have racked up some more points. I you know we were tied. I thought I was going to win, or maybe the the point system really wasn't in you know in this sort of 
uh, tournament that they're in, maybe sub only, and they thought, well, I'll get the decision. Uh, I've, I've done a, a better job. And it didn't go so well. <laughs> and most of them take take that like, man, I should have, I didn't do the right thing. As an athlete, I failed. I shouldn't have, I should have fought the entire match uh, to my best of my ability, and I probably would have won that. But I didn't. And yeah, it's just, that's another lesson in defeat. Either learn from it or you don't. But if you're able to learn from your defeats, you'll you'll be a lot further ahead in in the game, as, as you uh, as you learn glean lessons from uh, things that really strike strike you hard sometimes. Yep, there's winning and there's learning, and Gary is the smartest guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> not maybe not the but smartest, I, but, I, but, but he's I'm, improved no, though. Catching when you start real I'm low. catching up quick though. No, Joe's already said I'm the smartest guy he knows. That's but I'm counts. catching up quick, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. You know, my Joe gave me a compliment. Now if I can get Byron to give me a compliment, I am in real good shape today. Gary, I've always appreciated your subtle good looks. I don't know if that's a compliment. That's my favorite compliment to give somebody. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody's good looks are subtle. They're really not there. <laughs> Anyway, gentlemen, let's get on with the interview with Jason Elliott. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He has never gotten a paper cut. He blocks it on a microscopic level. Rather than telling an opponent how poor their BJJ skills are, he simply buys them a BJJ audiobook to help them out. He once put a chokehold on a honey badger and got a pint of honey. It was a sweet one. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Jason Elliott to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, Byron. It's really fun to be here. Yeah, uh, it's fun to have you, and I've also had a good time uh using uh, your app. We've got a lot to talk about training and, and different ideas behind that, but uh, the, the short end of the story is you created an app that is geared towards helping jujitsu people uh, train, uh, log their training, and uh, connect with each other. So, uh, Jason, don't I guess uh, off to kind of a uh, weird start on my end, but I want you to introduce yourself, and then we'll talk about the app in a little bit, but just tell me who is Jason Elliott and, and where you're training and what you're up to. So I've been training about five years. I live in Colorado uh, with my wife, Katie, who, you know, you talked to uh, earlier this year. Uh, We've been here. I've been here about 20 years. I've been here originally from Florida, kind of always been active, mostly as an endurance athlete. My uh, Katie, when she moved to Boston to get her master's in nutrition, it was the first time I haven't sort of been, you know, we've got miles and miles of roads and mountains and everything to, to train endurance sports. And when I was in Boston, especially through the winter school season that didn't really exist. And so I was looking for some other outlet, um, kind of a longer story, but I have a, one of my best friends in the world is a, uh, is a jujitsu practitioner. And for years, you know, he's been talking about doing it. Uh, and I would take a class here or there, but extremely sporadically just never really got into it because I was biking and running, uh, moved to Boston, found a school that was there. And I called my friend Ernest, who's now my, my, my coach professor and said, Hey, there's a school here. Uh, you know, how do you, how would you feel if I actually started training here as opposed to coming back with you and Ernest, you know, as all good friends are, he's no, no, 
train there. You know, I'll help you from here however I can, but see if you like it. And uh, I was training in Boston, started training, and by being able to put some real time into it, fell in love with it, and have been training as you know as much as I can with work and and family uh, ever since then. Um, Forty eight now. I'm a blue belt. Uh, going, I think I'm going on my fifth year coming up in February, and uh, just really enjoy it. That's that's great. I think that's a, a pretty relatable story as far as uh, falling in love with it and in in discovering that. Uh, you also are you the creator of the Maroon app? Yeah, so I'm the I'm the creator. It was my idea. I don't do I don't I don't understand programming in the in the least bit. So I have a good friend who I've known, I've fortunately known for years and years and years. His name is Cheo, um, and he has a company called Leap Digital. And so when I was kind of forming this idea in my head, I called him and I said, I've got this idea. Do you think it's got legs? Is it a waste of time? And, you know, can you help me do it? And, uh, you know, he said, I think, you know, I think, I think there's something to it. Uh, and I can absolutely help you. I can put you in touch with good programmers. And, you know, so I work with Cheo and his team at, uh, he's Leap Digital and I work with the programmers at Perfect 10 and, uh, and, um, so they, they actually do the, the actual programming and that kind of work. We meet all the time to talk about ideas, you know, where I want it to go the next, you know, what each update's going to look like. And we kind of slated in on time and budget to see what's, what's coming around the pipe, but we've got, I think three, three or four pages now of, of potential updates for the future. If, if the app continues to to grow like it is. That's awesome. And I definitely am enjoying the app and hoping I'm rooting for it. So <laughs> that's something that, that uh, <laughs> talking about it a little bit on the podcast, a lot of listeners have uh, added me as a friend, and I uh, really appreciate that. And I think it's a, a fun way to connect with people in the jiu-jitsu world. And um, it, it, originally, I, when I downloaded it, it was literally just to log my training. And uh, now I find myself going on there more and more to see how everybody else is doing <laughs> So that's cool. Um, we'll talk more about the app in a little bit. I do want to get to know you a little bit more. Tell me about like your style of jiu-jitsu, what you like to play, any any favorite techniques you have. So it's for whatever reason, and I and I I find myself I'm more of a guard passer, and I don't know why that is, but it seems like whenever I've you know for the for you know the, almost the entirety of my training, whenever you know you you, you bump fists. I wind up being the guy moving forward into trying to move past it. So I've, I've found myself being, I play a, a guard passing game. Um, I try to utilize pressure, either the double unders or the over under are my, my two main passes. Uh, and, um, you know, mostly I think my highest percentage choke is the ar- head and arm choke. Um, I just really, I really like that one and I'm managing to, to get a little bit better at it so I can hit it from kind of different angles that's the majority of my game. When I'm on my back, I mostly just try to, to go in a half guard and, uh, and try to keep somebody's weight off me. Cause I'm not a, I'm not particularly big. So it's, um, I usually try to play half guard and, uh, and just either try to work out to the side or, or dive in for a deep half. Um, but recently I've, I've realized that's, that's an incredible weakness. Like my arm bars are really not that strong. My triangles aren't great. So I'm trying to just, just commit to, I'm going to work for guard and then try to work the basics from there because those are just two, I think, pretty significant holes in my game at this point are arm bars and triangles. I'm just, you know, as long as I've done it, I feel like I should be hitting those fairly well and I'm just sloppy. 
Well, we all have areas in our game <laughs> that, that we can't improve upon, that's for sure. Uh, head and arm uh, triangle guy from top, I'm the same way. I, I enjoy that choke, and I've had some success with it. The, the Some of the details of that, are are you setting that up as you pass, or are you passing and then finding the choke? So I usually I set it up because, you know, what will happen because I, I play that you that over under um, if I get the double under, I'm really happy. But most of the time I wind up in kind of a double double under and I don't always free the leg. So I wind up sort of in half guard from the top where, you know, my, my waist is on his waist and I start kind of moving back up the body and I try to get that that far side arm off the mat a little bit with my elbow and then I'll I'll reach under it. And I'll die for it there, and I'll—that's where I'll start the choke. And sometimes I can get it there, but usually when they're worried about the choke, I'll pass my other leg over and get fully to the side. So I—I I tend to get it most of the time from half guard. The other time I get it a lot, and this is embarrassing to admit, but I think my weakest position is probably full mount. And so when I'm there, rather than try to do anything fancy from full mount, I'll just try to dive the head under and then move to the side. So I usually get it from half guard or from full mount is where I tend to find it the most. Huh. Why do you say, and, and this is just, this is two guys talking about jujitsu. And I think that, the, that everybody has that, ex, that experience, especially, you know, like before you get all the positions kind of figured out, you're not real confident in your mount game. Um, what happens? Are they, are they shrimping out? Are they, are they rolling you or what's going on there? I either, it's like I said, it's, it's really like I have, I would almost at the point with my full where I, I almost just abandon it and go to, you know, try to go to half. Like when we're doing, you know, drills, like positional drills and, you know, you're in the dominant position, you're trying to help the guy in the bottom. I, usually, I either get rolled or the typically it's rolled or the guy will does a good job of sort of just bucking out. Um, and I can't figure out how to float enough while keeping pressure to where you know they feel my weight and I can move, but I'm floating enough that I can I can move if they either go for that simple roll, or you know that um, I'm also good. Probably that, I don't know what's called where you put both your, both your hands under the armpit and then swing your legs up. I never think about it because I'm not limber enough, so people surprise me with it all the time. Um, but it's just it's Byron. I gotta tell you, it's I get just between me and you. I guess me you and the entire podcast. <laughs> I get super frustrated on those positional drills because, like, it just I, I'll last like a minute or not even a minute, like thirty seconds, and I'm out. It's just you know, just repeatedly, I'm getting blown out of. I'm supposed to be in the dominant position, and so it's. I try to work. I recently I've tried to work, tried to work more of a high mount where I come up and try to get my knees under the elbows, and then use my hands as as kind of outriggers, yeah. and that's a little better. Yeah, but. I just don't know. I don't know where the hole is in my in my top mount game. It's other than it's just embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get. It's the only time I think in jujitsu that I get super frustrated at practice is when we do that particular positional drill because I know I'm supposed to be getting submissions or at least threatening, and it's. I spend most most of my time trying not to get thrown off. I very rarely get to an attack. So, Jason, I don't think that these. Uh, so first off, I appreciate you sharing you know, these parts of your game with the audience. Cause I think that these types of conversations need to happen more often. And, and I definitely don't have all the answers. I've never even seen you grapple, but <laughs> what, what you're describing it sounds like common things. Uh, uh, having the, the knowledge that you like to set up head and arm chokes and even doing that from mount. Like I don't typically set this up from mount because I'm afraid of getting uh, rolled. Like 
side control, I feel, I feel so safe from doing that. There's like the extreme example would be that you go for an armbar from mount and you miss it, you end up on the bottom. That happens a lot. So head and arm from side control, if I miss that, nothing bad happens to me on top. And, and so I know as soon as I put that, that, that arm behind their, their neck and I start digging, you know, that in deeper to get that shoulder pressure on their neck that I need to be super aware of somebody rolling me because I've committed that arm and they have to, and, and another thing is their incentive, Jason, is this guy's thinking, I got to roll him or he's going to choke me. <laughs> like you're giving them a strong incentive <laughs> to get out of there now. And then the yeah. other, the, your other issue, and you've started, this sounds like you started to solve this is that, uh, if, if your hips are low on their hips while you're in mount, um, and that's typically wh- where you would be while you're trying to set up the head and arm choke. You're not doing that from a high mount. Um, their, their bridging action, the oompa, is going to hit you like with all the force because you're, you're low on that, on that oh, lever. Right. And if you're higher up, like if you get that, like an S mount when you're, where most of your body is, you know, above their uh, pectoral muscles and you're, you're really, they can bridge all day and it doesn't, you don't even move from that. And so you're low, which is fine, but you've, you've got to be expecting that any bridging they do is going to make you move quite a bit. Uh, low mount is perfectly fine. It's a great place to set up, you know, controlling the head and that arm. But just be aware of that. And and you said, you know, I'm just trying to stay on top. That's all we're trying to do, anybody. <laughs> like, uh, I think that's – so changing your goals will uh, cut down, I think, on the frustration. If instead of submitting somebody from mount, which people are hard to submit. Like we're, like if you're rolling with somebody and they're doing jiu-jitsu too, like they're pretty good at jiu-jitsu already. Like that, that's, that's pretty – it's hard to tap out colored any color of belt just you know Valid, that, yeah. yeah so <laughs> calm down that like like i should tap this person out well actually i think your first goal should be to stay there for a little while longer and and uh and be less and i, I remember some of my previous instructors be less committed to those submissions and be more committed to that position and yeah. if they start to roll you like I would know I'm not going to finish Remy head and arm chokes from my guard. I'm not going to try that. So if I'm rolling, I'm going to abandon that submission anyway, if they're going to roll me over. So abandon it before I get rolled over and try to stay on top. And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> just, I think it's interesting. Like have these conversations with your coaches and, 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 and the, the people who are, who are escaping quickly. Like what can I do to prevent that? And they should help you out and, yeah. uh, and help your top game. All right. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one thing I picked up and you know, I've, I'm sure you know this, but it changed my, my um, head and arm choke game quite a bit is my instructor Ernest. He, he taught a variation cause I, you know, to prevent getting rolled to where you take, so you've, you know, you got the, you know, so imagine I'm on, uh, the head and arm choke is coming from my left side. Sure. Then use my right arm to grip and make the choke tighter. He teaches a variation where you actually take your right arm and, and post it out and, and sort of lean into the choke with kind of one hand getting it tight. Yeah. It knocked my, my being rolled significantly. Um, it was a really nice variation that made me much more comfortable in going for the head and arm choke. Yeah. And what I like about it is what you said is if you blow it and they roll the other way, you know, you're still, you're still in a good position. It's not a full on, you know, I've, I've, you know, I do it for an arm bar and missed and now I'm in a lot of trouble. So I think it's, I like the safety factor of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 good. <laughs> uh you know and and just I, I I don't know. I think it's the I didn't plan on having this conversation about like one specific choke, but anybody could have these conversations with anybody you're rolling with when something gets frustrating, like talk about A the technique and B are your goals correct? 
Because if, oh, yeah. if somebody is really good at escaping mount, like my goal is not to submit them anymore. My goal is to keep them there. And it might even be to keep them there for a minute versus keep them there for the entire, you know, rest of the round or whatever. Like your goals, you need to change those goals based on, based on who you're working with uh, to help avoid that uh, frustration and, and notice progress. Because if your goal is to submit somebody and they're a black belt and, you know, you want to work this choke from out, like you're not going to reach that goal for a long time. And that's frustrating, but it, you know, you hold them there for thirty seconds, and next week you hold them there for forty, and then a few, you know, a month later they're stuck for a minute. You're definitely accomplishing things in this process, and I think that's. I mean, if you look at the app, you're you're tracking your training as you go. That shows that progress, and I think that that's that's one of the cool things about it. That's really helpful. I think I will, you know, because I I always look at it like it's the dominant position. You should be winning with it, but. Maybe I will change my thinking to I'm going to see if I can last 30 seconds here and then 45 and then see if I can build the progress sort of just, you know, for my own sense of mental health, build a little progress into that and then begin to see what happens. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a great tip. As you do keep somebody there for that minute, that minute and a half, that what happens is they have to do more desperate things to get out. Mm-hmm. They may not become like frustrated and freak out, but what they were doing it isn't working anymore. So maybe their arms loosen up or, or they, they do something that they probably shouldn't do to try to create more space. And it opens up the door. <laughs> are, are <laughs> That's you, great. Are, are you, do you prefer gi or no gi? So when I, when I first started training, I was exclusively gi. I mean, I really, I it, hate's almost not a strong enough word. I just felt like I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I would see a space. I'd want to get there. I couldn't because somebody was grabbing my sleeve or my lapel or just the friction. And I just got frustrated because even as a beginner, I'd say, oh, I can get to that spot and I'll be happy. And then I couldn't get to that spot. And it just, and it's just hot. I, you know, I just felt like, it, you know, I just sweltered in the thing. Um, and you know, I remember my, you know, um, Katie, when I was getting into it and really getting passionate, she asked, you know, uh, the, my professor at the time, you know, what can I do to help him? He's like, you know, buy him a gi. And she told me that I was like, no, don't get me a gi. I just, I hate it. And so she didn't. And then, uh, moved back. And so it was, that was a, a gi and no gi school, uh, Gracie Barra back Bay in, in Boston and, um, moved here. It was pretty much a, a no gi exclusive school at the time because there just weren't a lot of people in the Valley and it's an easier lower, lower barrier of entry is no gi. And then Ernest, kind of switched this over to a gi school. So I kind of being the only school within, you know, 50 miles, I had no choice. Um, and I started doing it and I didn't like it for a couple of weeks. And then the, the craziest thing happened is, you know, like somebody snapped their fingers. I just, now I vastly prefer gi to no gi. Like if I go to competition, you know, most of the time I'll just focus on the gi part of the competition. Even I just, I really enjoy what it, how it, changes the way I have to think about things and I have to be a little more patient and you have to back out a lot more and restart your attack. And the things that used to frustrate me, I actually kind of, I, I find interesting, you know, you're working for something, working for something, and then they get a good grip. You're like, all right, well now I got to back out, you know, move the grip and, and try another approach. And I, I like the freshness of it. Um, so now it's, I think 90% of my training is probably is gi at this point. I think the only time I really train no gi is if I'm traveling and the the whole of my schedule is happens to be at a at a nogi class, but I yeah I and I've I've gone full on nerd about it. I think at this point I have twelve, <laughs> you know, like I 
I really dove in. I had to eventually put a moratorium on new geese because I was getting out of hand. Um, so yeah, I don't know what happened, but something something triggered in my brain, and now I just really like it. Until I'm getting choked with my own lapel, then I think, what have I done? But outside yeah, of that, this, the, what is this cloth around my neck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's interesting. So, um, just talking more about your story, and and I think the listeners could try to bring this into their own stories. Was the head and arm choke one of your earlier techniques that you really liked? No, actually, it wasn't. I because um, I th- I think hearing this, uh, that that technique is is. A bit easier without the gi, I think. Oh, interesting. Huh. So that, I mean, that adds a little bit of light to your no-gi game. <laughs> um, you know, because it's – I've only – I think at this point I've only recently started to figure out kind of what I like and what my, you know, what my game is. Yeah. You know, for the first several years, I went through a phase where I really liked Kimura, and I thought, all right, because Kimura is my, my thing. And then – I kind of moved on or, you know, I tried different things and they seem like they work for a little bit, but then it kind of stopped working. So I think that the head and arm is just over the last few, few years, it seems like that's the one that I, I, I can make happen a lot. Probably started cause I was rolling with a guy that, um, a friend of mine in Dallas and he's just masterful at digging out your arm with his head and he just, just nailed it repeatedly on me. And he just made it look so easy that I kind of thought I'm going to, I've, I'm going to try this one. And, uh, cause it frustrated me to no end. And I think it was probably because of him just abusing me with it that I got better at it. Now I, now I really like it. Um, I don't know what that says about me as a personality, but that's, that's what my first introduction was this. He's, he's a big guy and him just, just crushing me with it. I think we all have, if, if you've trained for a little while, you've got a similar technique in your arsenal where something worked well against you and that somehow buys it a ton of credibility, how great that technique is. You can't stop it. The guy, it's easy for him to do like, okay, this is a good move because it's working on me. And then you get that passion behind it. There was a, uh, a lapel choke, uh, that I, that I saw at a tournament, uh, back in the blue belt days. And this guy choked everybody with it. Um, he armbarred me, but he, other than that, he choked everybody with his lapel choke. And, uh, and I became fascinated by that, by that choke. And I studied it and I drilled it and it was one of my best chokes for a long time. And I think that just having something like proven to you that hey, this works and you feel it and you and like that's I think that's a really common thing that uh, <laughs> all of all the techniques work, but one of them works really well against you. You kind of I think you respect it a little bit more. Hey, you know what? You're right. It's almost like a, a like a like a book recommendation. You know, if there's a million books out there, how do you pick which one to read? You know, there's a million jujitsu moves out there. How do you pick which one? If if it has some kind of positive connotation that elevates it above the the crowd of all the submissions, that does give it a little bit more wind in its sails to become something you like doing. I think that's a great point. I'd really I'd never really thought of it like that. Huh. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think th- if you think back and, and all the listeners I recommend you as well, think back of, of, of maybe some of your favorite moves and and how you you know, we get show moves all the time. That's that's not we're not lacking in the knowledge of what moves are out there. We're, we're lacking in the knowledge of uh, the like deep knowledge in a couple of moves, and and we all have that. But but why on those particular moves do you like those? And a lot of times it's because it's somebody's did it to you, or it, it gives it credibility for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, your app here that that really um, 
so I'll tell you my experience. <laughs> I think that that will help bring people on. So I've I've been looking for an app to to log uh, training. I have a, an app that I that I run with, and it keeps a little map, and it shows me where I run, it shows me how slow I run, and and all that sort of things that that uh, I'm able to do. Um, but I was like, man, it would be great if something for jujitsu to, to log my training and what I'm working on and, and who I'm training with and, and, you know, how much time I'm getting rolling per week and that sort of thing. Uh, and you know, I thought that would be really neat a while ago. I kind of like, it wasn't out there and, uh, people were using Evernote and that sort of thing to, to keep notes and log training and that sort of thing. But, um, you created the, the maroon app. And from my experience, I guess I said I'd tell my story. I, I downloaded it, and I started uh, logging some trainings and 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 opening it up. And I think it's fun to to log a picture with your training. So I try to do that when if when I remember. I either if I remember, I remember while I'm at the gym, and I'll get a picture. That's fun. If I forget and I remember while I'm at home, I'll just put how long I trained and 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 what I trained and that sort of thing. Um, so th- that's kind of what I was doing. And then we mentioned it on the podcast a while ago and, and suddenly the app became more of a, for me personally, more of a jiu-jitsu social network that, that I can lock my training on. I, I really enjoy seeing other people train. I, I see the, those pictures or I see, you know, that they're, they're training and, and how much they're rolling and what they're working on and, 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 uh, and supporting uh, people out there. So uh, it, it kind of, turned like i'd open the i guess it changed the reason why i was opening the app the first time first while i was opening the app to log my training i still do that but now i'm opening the app just midday instead of checking facebook now i like to check the app because i because it's all just related and uh it's uh, see people out there and see what they're up to and who they're training with and that sort of thing it's it's a lot of fun to get on there and and i think that both are uh are, are important <laughs> to an app like this but um I think I, I think that there are days that I've trained that I was like, man, I got to train this week a little bit more, and because I can look on there, I haven't you haven't trained much this week, so get out there and, and log something. <laughs> it's been it's it's been a positive force uh, for my jujitsu for sure. I'm glad to hear that. That's a little bit of my experience. So the app is called Maroon. Um, tell us a little bit behind the name. What's how did you come up with that name? So the the name comes. It's um. I'm from, I'm from a, uh, a town in, Tar- in Florida called Tarpon Springs. And, uh, you know, like, like most people, I really, I just, I love my hometown. I think it's a, a great little town with all its quirks. And I was trying to come up with some way to just kind of, you know, give a shout out to, to where I'm from. Um, Tarpon's got uh, two unique things about it. Uh, one is it's the largest concentration of, of Greeks outside of Greece in the world. And two, it's the sponge capital of the world. And um, I was trying to think it's, you really can't do much with sponge. Um, you know, our, our high school mascot was the spongers and everybody called it spongers or, you know, there's just not a lot you can do with that. And, you know, Greek being what it is for with, you know, the movies like 300 and the Spartan, every, every derivation of a cool Greek word meaning has been used somewhere, but our, our school colors are maroon and white. And so I just, I picked up on the maroon mess with the spelling a little bit and um, just thought it kind of sounded, sounded neat. And it just made me smile a little bit because, you know, when, it, when this first started as an idea, I had no idea if this would just be, you know, my mom and dad downloading it and that was kind of it. Um, so I thought I may as well have a little fun with it and just for my own sense of, you know, makes me smile. So I named it Maroon. 
And it, that's the that's the origin story of the name. And so it's spelled M A R U N E. If you're, yes. uh, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But all I got to do is type that up in in uh, iTunes or on the Google Play Store, and it'll pop right up. But it's uh, so the to me looking at the logo, it looks like uh, kind of like a set of mountains, like two mountains. Is that is that what I'm seeing? It's a little bit, I don't know, cryptic. It's a it's 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 a creative uh, logo as far as. I'm not sure sure on what I'm seeing here. What what's the logo on on the Maroon app? So it's it's supposed to be representative of several things. One, you know, looking slightly like an M for Maroon. Okay. And the the mountains. I live in Colorado now, and so that was you know certainly in my in my mind when I was kind of going over logos. And I thought it I liked it because I felt like it applied to the Jiu-Jitsu journey, in that you know you're you you kind of climb the mountain, which is hard you know, one, one face of the mountain and you're working and it's a struggle, but you're feeling good about yourself and you kind of get that peak and it looks great. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're kind of tumbling down the other side, you know, moves aren't working. You're getting tapped by lower belts. You know, your, your brain just not seeing things. You felt like you saw crystal clear four weeks ago. Um, and you kind of get down there and you get in a little valley where you're just feeling kind of crappy, but then you pick back up, you start climbing up again, things start clicking a little better but this time, that's the reason why one, one side is a little lower than the other is when you climb up, you go up a little higher the next time because you've got a bigger base to work from. So without getting too kind of, um, I don't know, philosophical about it, I like the way that kind of played into, you know, at least how my jujitsu journey has gone with kind of peaks and valleys. But, you know, the peaks seem to be getting a little higher and the valley is getting a little shallower. So I thought you know, that, that works on a, on a couple of levels. And I was feeling, I was feeling really good about the logo, um, until I showed it to Katie and she thought it looked like an elephant. I didn't see that at all, but once you see it, you know, the, it looks almost like you're looking head on at an elephant and it's really <laughs> not to see. Um, and so I've been desperate to figure out how I can make that relate to jujitsu other than, you know, like, the elephant represents the thousand kilo pressure. I just, I'm really struggling because you know what? She's right. It does kind of look like an elephant, <laughs> but, uh, I anyway, so that, that became our running joke internally between Katie, you know, how's the elephant app going? But, uh, anyway, so it, it, I guess it, at this point it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. That's funny. And I, I, I would have never thought of elephant. It takes, people see things differently, but now that you say that I could, I definitely could see the M in there and an elephant that's facing you. Yeah. <laughs> kind that's of coming cool. down the middle. It's, it's there. It's, uh, she's right. You know, but she's, she, you know, she has an art background. So I think she was, she was able to see that or I just, I didn't see it at all. <laughs> that's funny. It's, and that's, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, people are, are listening to the podcast. They're driving, they're out doing things, they're busy or whatever. But, uh, if you're, you get a chance to just go pull this up, uh, look at the, look at the loco. It's you, you can see all three of things in there. To me, the easiest thing is in the mountains. It clearly looks like yeah. like two two mountains with a valley between them, and and that makes perfect sense. You're we all experience that. You feel you leave one day, you feel great, and then uh, next time you go train, like man, I did not have it. <laughs> that's that's all that happens a lot, yeah. and and so that's that's the the flow. And and like you described, you want your peaks to slow to kind of get higher as you go, and your valleys will will rise with them as you as you continue to progress but uh the m i can see the m i didn't really think about that and the elephant 
I could have had this at my phone for years and not seen that elephant looking right at me. <laughs> right? Like, like I, I, yeah, you know, everybody I showed you besides Katie, nobody pointed out, but, you know, she spotted it right away. <laughs> and the worst is I told her she was like, I, she was nuts because I didn't see it because I was thinking of an elephant sideways. Like, that's how yeah, far that's off how I was think- from seeing it. And she's like, no, it's looking at you. And so I was, I was way, I mean, she was just miles ahead of me on that. Yeah. But I'm used to that with her anyway. So that worked <laughs> out. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, I described the app a little bit from my, my perspective. Um, tell me, you describe the app and tell me, tell me what you wanted to do and what it does. So it was, these things are hard to eat. So I had a lot of ideas of what I wanted the app to be. Just from so I wanted something that I could log my training that that looked good. I'm not really a, you know, people use Evernote. I tried using um, like paper and pencil, uh, you know, like the college composition thing, and nothing was really taking because you know even though I'm I'm 48, I am used to everything on my phone these days. It's just if I'm sitting somewhere, just plinking around, um, and so I felt like it needed to be something that you would have with you all the time that you could use as a training log that, you know, I could see, okay, wow, I've, you know, I haven't gone for a couple of days and, you know, or a couple of weeks and I can see that, you know, my, my, my numbers are coming down. Um, but I also liked the idea of it being something a little bit more than just a static training log. Cause I noticed in my own experience, you know, when I travel for work, I try to find a, a new, a new school to go train, um, and then living in, here in Colorado, you know, it's kind of a, a, a tourist state. So we get a lot of people coming through our school that they take pictures and, you know, they train. So some way of also keeping track of that, that was kind of took into what I consider the, the culture of jiu-jitsu, which is very much a, a traveling culture. It seems like people are always looking at new schools or traveling around, you know, the best they can and, and trying, in, you know, and uh, visiting new places. So I want something incorporated both of that in a way to keep track of people I met with for the jujitsu, maybe at a tournament or at a seminar or a camp that they were, you know, we knew jujitsu and we talked about it. We had a lot of great conversations around it, but not really kind of at the face, you know, not really Facebook level. And I don't, I don't want that to sound pejorative, but you know, just, I don't need to know everything at all about them in the, in the kind of the Facebook aspect it was, these are my jujitsu friends and that that's our common bond. And that's what we like to talk about. And as a way of keeping track with, with people, you know, I've had, I've met people at tournaments and, you know, even though we go hard for however long it takes afterwards, we're, you know, we're talking about techniques, we're laughing. That's probably because, you know, at, I'm at a master's level. So, you know, nobody's trying to kill each other. It's much more friendly, but how to keep track of these guys or and people I meet. So I wanted that incorporated into that as well. And so it just seemed like kind of doing, is a, is a big bite, a training log and social media app. Um, but that's what I, that's what I, that's what I wanted out of it. And that's what I, that's what I like out of jujitsu. I like that, you know, the, the reward of training and seeing myself grow, but I also like meeting people. Um, but how to start it, it's definitely started. It leaned much more towards the training log because I felt like that's more people are interested in the training log part, some way of keeping track of it. And then slowly build into like the social aspect of it, which is why, for example, comments came, came so late in the game. Wanted, you know, it's, it's, it's a chicken or egg, egg kind of thing. If you start with just a social network, there's no social networks. Nobody uses it. At least people will go into a training log kind of every day and log their training. And maybe then it'll start to take root with talking to other people or, you know, getting what you said. 
And I don't want to go on too long here, but your experience seems to mirror at least what it's showing on the trends. You know, three months ago, the average user was on it for, you know, 40 seconds. And now people are on it for two, two and a half minutes at a time, which means people are exploring what their friends are doing. And it's people are spending more time. They're 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 um, I don't appreciate the right word, but they're getting into what what this can do with the combination of those two things. Yeah, and uh, spending more time on there, I definitely, I definitely have spent more time this month than than last month, and because I'm scrolling through that feed of of what people are doing and training, and and then the comments thing is really cool because I'm able to you know give a little bit of uh, support here or there or get some from somebody else. Like I noticed one guy typed literally like a, a, almost a page of notes about his training. Like this is amazing. I just, I just commented, <laughs> you take really good notes, and and, and he he commented on that and I thought that was neat and uh you know one guy posted that you know tournament that he so you have an option of of locking a tournament or training and he he logged a tournament and he, it didn't go so well and I I commented on hey yeah uh, we've all had tournaments like that and he commented on that I mean I think it's just a way oh, wow. to be supportive of each other and uh you know celebrate the good and and uh you know identify with with the with the negative or the the hard lessons learned um and for me, uh, the people that that have me on Facebook, I don't post. You know, I train today at Jujitsu, which a lot of people do post that, and that's that's fine by me. I don't think about it. I don't care to share that with, um, you know, several hundred of my friends that don't train. Like it just doesn't occur to me to, right. to post daily things about anything, <laughs> let alone <laughs> Jujitsu, which is which is normal for me. I, I understand if you're new and you're excited about every training session is, is the next biggest thing you post that and that's cool, but I'm more, more than happy to post it on here and everybody who sees it will be training jujitsu. And, uh, it's just like a, it's a more targeted social area. And it's, I feel like it's where I belong as far as where it's targeting. And that's, that's, I feel like, like, I don't, I talk, like, I don't want this to be a commercial. It's not a commercial. Jason's not paying me to be on here. I just like the app. I don't want it to do well. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think that's, that, that, uh, I think it's a, it's a great app. And I'm surprised by how much I, how much I like it beyond logging. I, I know there's a lot of value in logging your training, tracking it. Uh, finding trends in what you're doing and that sort of thing, but it just it's just also fun, and yeah. so it, uh, you're doing great, Jason. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny how how usage evolves. You know, I kind of I had what I how I thought I would use it when I was making the app, and it's one of the things I find that I I use or I use it a lot more than I thought is if I'm traveling on business or on my vacation, checking in when the people that are training at my school to see, you know, who's training, what are they training, looking at pictures, it kind of, I feel like I'm still there and I'm not as out of the loop. And I never would have thought that's something that would, I would get a lot of pleasure from when I was thinking, you know, how am I going to use this app? It's, you know, just when I'm not at the school, keeping track of what's going on, it's just really fun to see the pictures and, and see the techniques people are learning from, you know, when I'm not there. Uh, so it's, it's to me. It's just interesting how it it kind of just keeps changing. That's cool. That's kind of where the app is now. Uh, what do you have vision for it in the future? So I've got like you know I mentioned earlier I've got pages and pages and where I, where I'd like to go next there are there are a couple of big things two small and one big I'd like to get 
you know, I, I mentioned I've, I've really leaned into the gi nerdiness. And so I want to put in a way of, of keeping track of all your gis and, and how, how often you're using them. One, just to, you know, as a place just to kind of, so you can see like, you know, maybe it susses out what your favorite gi is, what your lucky gi is. But I also think you can start to tell people how long gis are lasting because you can actually, I, w- I want to be able to track the hours with each gi so you can see, oh, wow, I, I spent a lot for gi X, but it just didn't last that long. Or I didn't spend hardly anything on that gi and that thing's lasted forever. You know, just kind of give people, a, a, you know, myself just a sense of, of what the gis look like. And then because this is a weight-based sport, I, I want to put a, a weight tracker in there where people can kind of check in on their weight. And that's that's what I'm looking at probably hopefully with this next iteration um but what i'd like to go and i don't know how long it'll take to really roll out because it's going to take quite a bit of thought so i don't know where in the calendar it'll actually fit is kind of a page for schools where schools can have you know belt promotion announcements barbecues seminars coming through kind of whatever but have a place for for schools to be able to have their own groups but that's a that's going to be a big one. So that might take, it may take a few, there might be some smaller updates before that one's really ready to, to come out, but that's kind of the big plan. The next really big offering will be if one for schools, um, again, just so long as people are using it, you know, if it kind of falls off the cliff and people keep using, then, you know, then the experimental have failed. But if people are, if it's growing and people are using it, then that's, you know, I've got page after page of some are small, some are big of things I want to add. Um, ranks for ju- for juniors has been a, a very common request. So that'll probably be coming pretty soon. Uh, just things like that. And user requests, I get them all the time and I, you know, I write them down and, you know, just to see what, what's out there that I haven't thought about. And you have it, uh, like when I go train, I have, I, I put where I trained at, and then it finds it on uh, Google Maps, or I don't know how all that tech, all that stuff works. But um, <laughs> does the school have any idea that I did that? No, the school does not um, know that, and I'd like to change that in the school so maybe it's a, a check-in so people can know who's coming. And with that, with the school page, I'm hoping that people will announce their open, you know, their open mats, and so it becomes sort of an open mat finder as well. Um, you know, to give, give the community, you know, a place to, to look for open mats or, you know, seminars maybe they haven't heard of that, you know, somebody's coming through their town at a different school. Maybe you want to pop over and catch that seminar. Um, so I, you know, not really sure how it's all going to fit together, but that's, that's the looseness, but it would be neat if the school could know, you know, who, who's there and who's not. Um, but that gets, I, it's like all different category. I mean, it's all category. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I always worry about privacy, so I want to make sure that we're not, you know, kind of getting too too much. But I don't know that I don't know that, that really will. I just got to sit with that a little bit and kind of see, you know, because I, you know, I, the last thing that I want Maroon to be is some kind of weird app that stalks people, you know. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, well, I just don't care what people are doing in their off time. You know what I mean? So I, I'm trying to. I know it. I don't like it when things are stalking me. So I don't want to, I want to extend that to everybody else. So I've had a lot of good ideas come through, but they just feel a little, I don't know. I mostly, I just sit with them and see how I, how I think it fits. That's, um, you know, you, you hear the, 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 the quote, like, don't just, uh, stand there, do something. And, uh, and I've also heard the quote in the opposite when it comes to 
uh, like thinking about an idea, don't do something, just stand there. Like, I like that because you're not making wild changes on a whim. Like, think about it, sit with it. Uh, it's going to affect the people that are, it's going to affect your users. It's going to, going to change some things. Think about it, sit with it. And then also <laughs> you're not some giant, pro- you know, company or whatever. Like, if if people start complaining about things, like okay, that that was actually a bad. Let's take that take that out. Like, it's, <laughs> things could be changed, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you seem like a pretty open guy as far as receiving feedback and and uh, you want you want positive experiences with this. And, and I think that's what uh, that's what you're doing now. And I think that's what you'll do in the future, wherever you take it. Every email gets to me, so that's that's the good news. <laughs> and it, you know, people, it's it's great because people bring up things like I like I, uh, a suggestion on instructor hours, and I'm a blue belt, so I never thought, even in my wildest imagination, that somebody would want to track the amount of time they've been an instructor. And I thought it was just a fantastic idea. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, but again, like I would just never thought of that. Yeah. So that 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 went on the paper, and it's you know, I'll try to figure out when I can. You know, when that'll make the an update somewhere along the line. I, I think it's just a really, you know, and I get those all the time, just really, really good ideas I'd never thought about. Cause, you know, I'm not, I don't know, you know, certainly I'm not, I'm no great genius. I don't know everything. I'm just kind of plucking along, you know? That's that, yeah, I also would have not have thought of that. <laughs> That's cool. And, and so that would just, um, like when you go to log something, you either pick, right now it's, um, it's a, it's tournament competition or it's, uh, training and so literally it'd be one more thing instructing would be would be a, an option you could put on there that's yeah that's a great idea i think it's a good idea a lot of it is with, with ideas you know there are a lot of great ideas but i like the aesthetic of the effort it's kind of simple and it and it flows yeah and so i've had some some ideas that i think are interesting but i can't figure out how to do it without making without getting things too cumbersome and so a lot there's there, you know there's the privacy balance and then there's also kind of the fire hose versus simplicity balance and, and where you want to give a lot of user interaction that people like without cluttering it up or making it so hard to get to the thing that you're looking for. And I think sometimes that means you maybe you don't include things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of that addition by subtraction, but that's that's super hard to, to kind of figure out. Yeah. To pull, you don't want to have like, you could also do things like log your seminar, log your right. this or that. Like you could have a whole bunch of different categories. Log your YouTube watching or podcast list. I don't know, uh, whatever it would be. Okay, that's way too much stuff. But uh, right. you, you're finding that balance and you're experimenting with it. That's that's cool. That's how we. I mean, that's what we work on jujitsu. You got to experiment a little bit and think about it and and try it out and you know decide whether it's right or wrong. You can't. You got to get like I've had to get comfortable with. It's just not going to be all things to all people. You know, and yeah. that's that's hard because I want everybody to like it and love it and think nailed it. But you know, it, it's sort of like you said with, it's like, like, you said, like, you know, not every move is going to work for everybody, you know? So figure out what does. Jason, I don't have a lot of people on here that make apps or like a s- successful social media um, or training app or whatever. I, this is kind of a new territory. Can you think of anything that you learned in this process that you could relate to jujitsu? In, in some ways, it, it, it certainly the learning curve is similar. And, you know, the kind of, when I, you know, when I, when I first, when it first kind of came out, you know, I get one user, two user, like downloads a day. And you just start to wonder, it feels like you're getting your butt kicked. 
you know, sort of like when you first started as a white belt and you just, nothing's coming together for you. And, you know, you get some upticks, you feel good. And then you get a drought where it drops back down. So it, it is kind of similar in that, you know, you, it, you need patience when you're roll, when you're rolling something like this out. And certainly with where our user base is, we're, you know, it, I'm, I'm really happy, but it's also, man, there's a long way to go before it gets to be, you know, I think even a blip on anybody's kind of radar screen. Um, so it's that sort of that same process of you show up and it's one foot in front of the other and you keep doing things in hopes that it's going to get better. But you, you know, I don't, I don't know anything at all about coding. And, and so it's that same kind of, um, when I talk to the people that are developing it, trusting them that, you know, they, they've got, you know, my best interest at heart, the app's best interest and kind of going along with what, what they're doing, much like when you're starting out and you're, you know, you're getting feedback from your professor, you're, you're taking that, look, he's got your best interest at heart. Do it this way. Even if it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense, trust us, this, this will work better. Um, and so it's that kind of, as weird as it sounds, it's that same, put your ego aside a little bit and, and let, let things kind of take root as they, as they are going to take root with the, the fits and the starts and the, you know, the frustrations that go with it and just not trying to get too attached to this is the best thing no matter what, you know, cause when people say something bad about Maroon, it's hard for me not to get defensive, but you just got to kind of put your ego aside and say, okay, well, you know, what can I do to, to make it better? Um, I don't know if that was long winded or not, but I, I find that that serenity of jujitsu kind of helps with this. Um, if anything, I appreciate jujitsu more because it's one, one more thing I get to get away from the frustrations in dealing with when I go to jujitsu is, is kind of the ups and downs of, of starting an app because it's not very smooth. It's not linear at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, uh, we we're talking a little bit before the interview and as we have an app for the, for the podcast, I was telling you about that. It literally, it was made by the company who, who hosts the podcast. I just had to basically order it and send them to my logo and they did all the work. Like you're actually figuring let's do this and then talking with people and meeting and, and doing all these things. And, and it, it sounds like a lot of work. Jason. <laughs> what do you do when you're not developing an app or training jujitsu? So, um, I, I work in finance. I work for um, a company called Ranger Capital. It's based out of Dallas. Um, so that's, that's the, the job part of my life. And the other part of my life is, you know, I live up here in Colorado. I've got, you know, my wife, Katie, we have a son, my son, who's just went to college. Uh, we have a dog summit and, uh, other, when I'm not training jiu-jitsu, working on apps or working, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time just up here. Um, just enjoying the mountain life. What school do you train at? Uh, it's Aspen MMA. Aspen MMA. Okay. The professor is Ernest Mendez. Cool. And we'll put uh, links to that. I always like to put links to people's gyms. It oh, helps you. a little bit with the Google. And if somebody wants to come come find you and train with you, you could, A, you could train with with the app, and B, you could put it on the app and, and, and lock <laughs> it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're up in the Western Rockies, please look us up. We're a small school, but it's, it's real chill, and it's just a friendly environment. So, you know, real open to everybody. That's what I look for when I go train. It's just some place that I'm going to enjoy the training experience. I don't necessarily seek out like the biggest, toughest gyms around. I want to get some mat time. I want to meet a few people and experience a little bit different uh, place that I'm used to. And yeah, it sounds perfect. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Jason, as we're kind of coming to an end on, on our time that we have uh, scheduled here, I whether somebody uses an app or not, there is a ton of value in keeping track of your training. It, it takes it from just like go train and, and get good at just to, to making it more of a scientific uh, thing to where you're seeing your areas of, of weakness, you're, you're um, you're seeing where you work a, a lot on. Like we all have a feeling, you, you know, you, you prefer to pass than to play guard, but you can look at, at the end of the, uh, you know, at your training re- log and see, you know what? I've played zero guard or I trained zero guard techniques the whole month. That's not balanced. <laughs> I need to, need to work on that. Um, I, so I just think the idea of logging your training or, or taking notes, that's a form of logging training as well. It is so valuable. It, it takes it from, it, it makes it more of a scientific process and, and, and that's going to help us get better at a faster rate. And, um, this is actually an enjoyable way to do that, which I've never really been able to experience. I've just, I've anything I've ever logged has just been, I better go do this. It's going to help me. You know, this is actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. It should feel like homework, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, you don't want that homeworky feeling. You want that, that fun thing. That's, that's perfect. So I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Man, I wanted to thank Jason for hopping on the, the podcast and talking with us about the app. Of course, he wants to get in here and talk about it. But I'm just like, he's not paying for this spot. This is me getting the app and really liking the app and, and wanting to share this with you guys. I think this is a great training tool. It's absolutely free. It is fun to, to track your training. Finally, somebody has made, uh, you know, tracking your training an enjoyable process. And uh, I really appreciate what he's doing. It's, it's, it's great. And I think part of the best part is, is, is for us, we have uh, this podcast where people kind of connect with us. And most of the people I have on the Ruin app are podcast listeners. They just they get on there, they, they find us, and they add us. And then we get to see you guys train. You get to see me when I'm training and, and, and what's going on. It just makes it more more fun. It just adds another dimension to your training of enjoyment. So uh, get on there and find us. Just type in BJJ Brick. We should pop right up. So, uh, and there's a link in the show notes if you haven't got the app yet. I highly recommend it. If anything, if you don't like it, get delete it. You know, but try it for a week or two and and see how it treats you. I would say a whole month because then you could see your your month in training results, and that's kind of neat as well. Okay, this week uh, we have an article. Uh, it's at the www.bjj slash spot uh, about Japanese traditional jujitsu first Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it's it goes on to talk about the, the differences between Japanese jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um yeah it's not really I wouldn't say like the idea is if Japanese jiu-jitsu versus Brazilian jiu-jitsu it's more of a comparison like in the traditional sense of like uh, four-wheel drive versus two-wheel drive or like comparing the two different things and what they are it's not you get a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy to take on a Japanese jiu-jitsu guy not the combat sports versus type <laughs> really yeah. it's a I comparison versus, of two things I, I meant yeah I yeah. meant comparison yeah. that's what it, I mean that's what we're looking at here and that's and that's something that a lot of people I think us included and, and probably most of the audience is interested in one martial art and that's Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, we obviously have practitioners out there and, and listeners that have come from other martial arts or that have found interest in other martial arts and either train jiu-jitsu or, you know, split time between one or the other. And that's great. But us three here are Brazilian jiu-jitsu people or no-gi people. And that's basically 
to me that's the same thing it's just a little different rules or different uniform but I don't really know a whole lot about Japanese jiu-jitsu so this is a, a learning experience for me yeah it was definitely an interesting article and um, so the author starts out with just looking at uh, the two arts kind of separate of each other and he looks at Japanese jiu-jitsu first and one of his points about Japanese jiu-jitsu is that it's largely trained in a uh, you know one step sparring type of scenario uh, with not as much aliveness as Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's uh, probably true but I did go watch some um, some YouTube videos about Japanese jiu-jitsu and one of the ones I watched was the uh, yellow belt test it was three guys testing for the yellow belt which is not the second belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu it's the third and there are nine belts in Japanese jiu-jitsu so the yellow belt uh, would be somewhere around blue belt level if you were comparing the two arts. And there was a large um, focus on, you know, you grab my collar, I break the grip, I elbow you, I, I do a throw, that kind of self-defense kind of thing. But at the end of it, there was a period where each of the three guys grappled with each other. And I got to say that they looked like decent three or four striped white belts. They looked like guys in jiu-jitsu that might be closing in on their blue belt. So, and that was just ground fighting. So it's obvious that at least this particular school does some live uh, full grappling. So that was good to see. I would also say that, uh, that the guy made a point about it being more self-defense uh, orientated. And, and I couldn't disagree with that. It seems to be focused on that, uh, how to, how to stop a guy from beating you up kind of thing. So interesting. But you know that there are still a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools and, and, you know, a lot of people think that the self-defense has left Brazilian jiu-jitsu too. So some schools really do focus on that um, more than others. Um, And, you know, I I don't know much about Japanese jiu-jitsu either. This was kind of like my first time really reading about it. And, you know, I, I wonder too, about you were talking about the, the grappling portion of it, the, the uh, you know, sparring part, Joe. I wonder, you know, because, Byron, do we even have a Japanese jiu-jitsu school in town? I don't think no, I've ever I've, seen one. Uh, upon reading this article, I I didn't gain, like, oh, i got to go try this. But I thought, you know what? T- time time for me is a premium in training time. If I get to train four times a week, that's great. But I thought, well, what would it be like if I just took one of those training times of the four this whole year and went one time to see what this was? And there's not one. I type in yeah. Japanese jiu-jitsu okay. in Wichita, Kansas, and a bunch of J- Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools pop up. <laughs> like, okay. Because I, I would really like to see a practice and, and even go into a, to a class and, and join it just to really see what it is, you know, firsthand. I just think it would be neat. And, and we're only going to get better learning other stuff too like i guarantee you there's stuff i can learn from japanese jiu-jitsu joe before we got on air we were talking about hapkido um stuff i can learn from these other arts that is going to make me a better overall martial artist and um you know the more knowledge i can get as joe has already said i'm probably one of the brightest guys he's ever met in his in his life and he's met a lot of people like stephen hawking and and stuff but you know joe did say i was the smartest one <laughs> Yeah, but but when I rolled with Stephen Hawkins, he gave me a better roll than uh, Cap when I rolled. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, you know, I I think that would be an interesting concept is to go try out a Japanese school. And there's the wrong way and a right way to do this. Uh, the, the wrong way would be to go in there and tap everybody out. 
and let them know that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is going to be the best thing ever. Uh, the right way is to go in as a student, let them know, yes, I've trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for two months or 18 years or whatever it is. And I'm interested in see what Japanese Jiu-Jitsu is. And then just take the class like a student. Yeah. There's no but need to, go- to prove anything or to you know go in there with, with open eyes and, and for the experience of what is Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and, and get a little bit of that experience. Same thing if you go to judo class. If you're in judo class and you're pulling guard, trying to t- trying to sweep people, for, like, you're not Waste doing your judo time. anymore. <laughs> like, you might as well just go to jiu-jitsu class. So one thing I took away from this, from reading this article and watching a few YouTube videos or reading a few other articles, I don't know if I would find a lot of value in just dropping into a traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu school. It seems the training methodology is so much different that – you know, one class might not uh, yeah. be all that beneficial. But I did kind of come away with it fr- with the idea that if I were to relocate to a small town and Japanese jiu-jitsu was my only option, I would go to that school. I, I didn't see anything about this that would lead me to believe it's something that I couldn't get something out of or that I wouldn't enjoy. I would certainly prefer a jiu-jitsu school like the ones I train at today. But if this was my only option, I would definitely train this way. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and part of the article, uh, it says, at the very least, we, we must mention there are a lot of similar t- between Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Both of these martial arts use locks, pins, and chokes. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu comes as a descendant of Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. And the word Jiu-Jitsu is not a Portuguese or Brazilian uh, word. So it's I, th- I do think that the biggest difference is how we how we train it's not necessarily the techniques but it's how it's our sparring time it's it's our it's our training time is 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 different from what i've seen i could be and i'm sure there are japanese jiu-jitsu gyms who train a lot like brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms and i'm i know that there are brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms who don't really roll very much and spar very hard so i'm not saying this in absolutes but in general i think you're going to get more uh mat time or rolling time in the brazilian jiu-jitsu gym and, you know, if a class is an hour long, I guess you'd get more technique time in a, a Japanese jiu-jitsu gym based on, you know, only have so much time, a percentage of time to, to divvy up. And if 80% of that is technique and 0% of it's rolling, you're going to get more technique time. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just interesting. And I, you know, as long as we've been doing this, I'm largely uh, ignorant of really what Japanese jiu-jitsu is. And I think this was a good article to just shed some light on that. I think also we could have done a similar topic as Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. What is Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? That's a brand. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a brand of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that they, that they have their name on. And, um, it, they incorporate self-defense. You, you're not going to a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu tournament at IBJJF events. You're going to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament. And I think some people kind of get those mixed up a little bit. Yeah, good point. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned, but this uh, article is on BJJ Spot. I think Byron did mention that. Uh, but if you re- go there and read the article, there's a link I just noticed below the article, Wrestling versus BJJ. And again, it's not uh, wrestlers versus Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes, but it's comparing the two differences. So between this article and that one, you can learn a little more, bit more about the different styles of grappling and how they compare with each other. I just clicked over to that, and, you know, yeah, there is a big difference between – 
professional WWE wrestling and <laughs> and jiu-jitsu, which I really didn't know. You know, I, I've tried figure four leg locks and been disqualified. You know, I've tried leg drops and elbow smashes. And, uh, um, you know, I, I didn't understand why people were upset about that. But now you, now you, I do. You've always been confused by the reaction of the crowd and the judges when you got a chair <laughs> out, right? <laughs> it's uh. a legitimate technique. <laughs> I saw it on TV. He tries to tag out usually. <laughs> I try to. Yeah. But uh, the bad thing is my partner is normally Byron. And he's afraid to get in there. I ain't getting in there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> that guy's going to smell like Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the different, the, the idea of the, the brand of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, what, what would it be like to have a brand of Brick Jiu-Jitsu? How bad of a brand would that be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially like we make the ghee out of bricks. There I think go. there's a lot of stuff we could do with this. Probably irritate my skin. I don't have the most sensitive of skin, but when it comes to wearing bricks as clothing, my skin is not usually happy. Have you tried it? And my muscles get tired quickly for some reason. But then we could build your muscles up. See, that's, that's true. The positive. So you're thinking negatively, Byron. I am thinking negatively. We need to change that around. You know, we're going to have some defeats in life. We need to get better each and every day, and we could do that by wearing clothes made out of bricks. Maybe your submission could you be like that? a brick, like a basketball, and you shoot the basket every time they say it's a brick. Gary's got no idea what that is, right? You don't, you don't throw up any bricks. Oh, I do now. <laughs> no, a brick is a, is a good technique that you could uh, – Rely on. <laughs> we don't you know ever talk crazy, about that anymore. Yeah, you know the crazy thing is, Byron. I I was talking to one of my training partners the other day, and you know I was like, "Man, you got a really good game, but you need a brick." And he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> and I was like, yeah, "Like you said, we don't talk about it as much anymore." But you know, I I just look at it that you know my brick is the Kimura. And yes, it is. Anytime you know I'm in doubt or I don't know, you know I may be in danger or whatever, I like to go back to my move that is my number one move and um it's the kimura i i love having a having a brick yep and you might have different bricks from different positions or maybe yep. work on different things as as time goes but uh, the concept i think is very helpful so uh guys i got a question for you it's a sort of on a personal note but uh the, get no, the, get the, no, Joe, i get, don't take the pills not the, the cream <laughs> yeah and i don't wear the underwear of the month every day <laughs> not every day, well, every other and day. And I won't send you pictures either. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try it on the map. How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> so uh, I thought about this question uh, post uh, posing it to Gary because you're kind of a footlock guy. But Byron's been around a long time. I'm sure he's got some input as well. But I have not been a footlock guy. And uh, twice, though, in the last year, I've been to seminars that are – uh, focused on footlocks. The most recent one was when I was up with you guys and Roland Delgado come on, came in and did his straight ankle lock series. What was that event called? Oma Palata Palooza? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or the BJJ Brick event. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, it was a good time. It was good to see you guys. Good to see Jake and Roly and Tim and everybody else that was there. But after that event, I thought, you know what? I, I, I need to add this to my game, at least a better familiarization with it. And I thought, how am I going to get to the foot? You know, what kind of things happen when I'm playing jujitsu that would get me there? And the first thing that occurred to me is that when my opponent stands up in my guard, 
at, at one of the schools I go to, we, we routinely do a drill where you, your opponent does a standing guard break and you switch to De La Hiva. And then you kind of go through a number of open guards and it's sort of just a flow drill. And I thought, you know, going from the De La Hiva to the single leg X is, is not too difficult. It's something that seems like I can do. It comes natural to me. And uh, so I, I thought I'd start there. But what I soon found was that I guess because it's two right-handed grapplers, it's what I drill most of the time, that what usually ends up happening is my opponent kind of presents his right foot. So I capture his right foot, his right ankle, and I do the De La Hiva hook with my left leg. But every time that I drill the straight ankle lock, it's always with my right arm, which kind of makes sense because when I do a guillotine, I usually put my opponent's head to the to my right side and I guillotine with my right arm. When I do a Kimura, it's always on that side. So that's the side that's comfortable for me. So I think the answer long-term is that I become uh, amphibious and I can do this on land or in water. <laughs> I <like laughs> or, I become amb- <laughs> or I become ambidextrous and I can attack either foot. I'll but my stick question- with amphibious. But my question for you is, Gary, in the short term, or the first step to start, since my opponent is presenting his right foot with my left hand, should I start learning to do the straight ankle lock on that side, or should the first step be to manipulate my opponent so I can get the foot I want? You know, that's a good question, Joe. And and I don't know. I think what I would do, if that guy's giving it to you, I would learn to do it from what is given to me. Um, you know, I, I think the most important, and this is my thing, I mean, Roly, uh, you know, is an expert. I'm not. But I would think... You know, I'm going to, first of all, I look at this as the land of opportunity. I'm taking what is given to me. I'm looking for that low-hanging fruit. And if it's going to be given to me on one side, I'm probably just going to go for that first. And and I kind of look at it as steps. Like, you know, I'm going to take what's given to me first, and I'm going to get really good at getting the uh, the single leg X, the Ashigurami, um, getting in correct position and finishing that way. Um Finishing with what's given to me, you know, the step that way. As I get better, then I'm going to look for some different, you know, entries where, you know, I can pick up the other leg or however I want it. But, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take what's easiest, what's what's right in front of me. Um, I, I can think of when I first started doing the single leg X to ankle lock, you know, which I learned from Roly Delgado's uh legal leg locks legal leg locks that was the first one um you know that that was my beginning of every leg lock that i've ever done and you know i've been through i think now three of his seminars and i've learned so much from it but i just started out on one side i like to uh like what you said joe i like to ankle lock with my left hand that's what i guillotine with with my left hand um and that really helped me a lot and and you know, I, I would take what was given to me off the bat. I now have some entries, which really helped me out a lot. But I, for the first few years, really everything was done just on that with that left hand. You know, I was uh, uh, I wasn't amphibious, as you said. You know, I, I just would attack with my my left hand, and then that was it. And the good thing, and I don't know if you can call this good for my training partner, but he hurt his. That would be his right knee. So I was taking his his left uh, leg, or I, you know, his right knee. So I was taking his right leg with my left hand. So my main training partner. So then I had to start attacking his leg with his other side, and and now I'm 
I'm not as good attacking with my right arm, but I'm I'm getting there. Uh, Are you uh, left-handed, Gary? I am left-handed. Yep. Oh, okay, so yeah, so that's why you attack to that side. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. I'm an odd duck. Okay. How about you, Byron? What's your answer? I, I would say stick with what's most enjoyable. Uh, with anything that you're trying to add that's not like highly successful at the at first, could easily get dropped, and you just move on to the next shiny thing that that might work for you. Uh, I guillotine almost always with my right hand. I umaplata both sides. I used to do a lot of triangle chokes both sides. I armbar both sides. He dates both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yeah, it's, don't tell his wife. It's still <laughs> secret. <laughs> There's just so many more options to be able to attack both sides. But if but if all that's presented to you is your your trouble side, maybe find a new way to get there. Uh, some of my better leg like attacking the ankle setups or off of a knee bar attempt that I'm not real serious on getting. Because I get a knee bar attempt from several places, and then they escape that, and I try to, I'm now attacking the foot. I think that's maybe just finding different ways other than the, the idea of your your daily Hiva setting up for this. Uh, maybe there's a place from half guard you can get to it from. Maybe it's more of a thing you 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 develop as a guard passer. Once you get it, you're going to have it from a lot of places. Like the ideas are the same. It's, it, it's just, it's the same thing with uh, uh, guillotines. I I'll, I like to guillotine from my guard. I like to guillotine from half guard top. I like to guillotine from side control top, from mount top. I see guillotines in a lot of places. But I had to develop my guillotine from my guard. And I, if I had started developing from half guard, I'd have got swept too many times. I would have literally let it go. And so and I, I just, know you. Find a spot where you can get to it and access it and, and put some work on it, and then it should open up many other doors. I like that, Byron. I, I, I think that's great what you said, uh, especially right off the start about what's enjoyable. And then you talked about if For you, if not your not, teammates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but if you're not getting it, then you go on to the shiny new toy. And, uh, you know, I do see that happen a lot. Uh, it doesn't work. And, and I've tried stuff. For some reason, it doesn't work. And, you know, one thing that I always thought was helpful, and I, I'm just going to throw Byron out there because, Byron, we were you were talking about leg locks one day. And I remember uh, one Saturday, all we did was we presented our legs to each other. And we rolled about 60%. And we were giving each other options to get in there. I wasn't fighting you to not get my leg you weren't fighting me to not get my leg and stuff like that has really helped me like i remember telling you byron i roll like that a lot with some of my training partners where you know we have no ego we're about learning and um we present ourselves in bad positions <laughs> we we let people get us that way gary what you're saying is so helpful I, I i i can't interrupt you but when you say we presented our legs to each other Man, I just—it's just hard to keep going. Like, not call you out on saying that. We put our legs on platters. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. What are you uh, thinking, Joe? Actually, are, are you? What yeah. are you thinking uh, about your leg locks in the future? Is this something that you're real interested in, or you just know it's a weakness, or where do you want to go? A little, a little of both. And and after thinking about this, I've been thinking about it a week or so, and uh, listening to both y'all's input. I think I'm going to go Gary's direction and take the leg that's presented and partially for a couple of reasons. One is because it's there. I see that opportunity a lot. And also because I don't 
Kimura to my left side. I don't guillotine to my left side. And maybe kind of attacking the ankle on that side will help me develop maybe a little so. more dexterity and a little more uh, proficiency in going that direction. Uh, I've noticed that's a weakness, and there's a couple of places where it is really glaring. And one is I do a hip bump sweep sometimes to the right. And a perfect counter to that is a guillotine to the left, right? You go to hip yeah. bump sweep, they drive into you, you guillot- but I don't have a decent guillotine with my left arm. So maybe working this footlock on the left side will just help with dexterity overall and, and open some other things up in my game. That's awesome. That's awesome, Joe. Hey, one thing I did want to mention real quick, and you know, it was really good words of wisdom that I got last time Rolly was in town for the BJJ brick event. But, you know, I'd been talking to him and, and he's my hero on leg locks. I, you know, I've learned so much from him, but I've also, you know, learned stuff from Josh Hayden, you know, has really helped my game. I have, you know, checked out Nathan Orchard has really helped my, my leg lock game. And, um, one thing that, uh, you know, when I was talking to Rolly about it, you know, cause I was telling him I was having good luck with the, uh, double outside Ashi on a straight ankle lock. And, you know, he made a really good point and, you know, I'm nowhere near a master in leg locks or anything, but and I've, I've not changed my focus a little bit, but, but Rolly said, he's like, man, really to, to get really good at it, just keep working, you know, your basic single leg axe, your Ashi, you know, single leg Ashi there, um, to ankle lock. And he's like, as you just get better and better at that, instead of looking at different ideas, you know, I was thinking I was looking at too much shiny new material, like Byron was saying, instead of really just dwelling into you know the single leg x you know going to an ankle lock and and you know and, and really just getting really really good at that making it a brick and and i can even think back to joe when you talked to roly before the event and you you asked roly hey what should i work on is there anything that we could work on before this seminar to, you know, to get more out of the seminar. And that was the thing he told you was the, uh, you know, work on a single leg X. So now I've just, you know, I'm trying not to, you know, go out of his system and just really trying to just stay in that system and just get so much better at it that, you know, I can see every little nuisance. I can figure out every little thing and how to make everything tighter, you know, more control and, and from those positions. Yeah, I really like his focus on that about really, isolating that leg and and taking away your opponent's ability to have any movement or any defense from that position. And, um, yeah, brilliant. We'll check up with you in a couple months, Joe, and and let us know how it's going. There you go. Yeah, we'll do that. I I, I like that. Not that Gary is is assuming change is going to happen even within a week, put some time in it. (laughs) No, that's the way, that's the way it is. That's, that's, that's reality. If, If you want to be good at leg locks, Put a couple of months on it and see what happens. And I guarantee you, you'll be a lot better at leg locks in a couple of months. Yeah. And Byron, you were the one who really got me in on that. I, I see so many people who work something for two practices a week, maybe a week and a half, and it's not working. And they throw it away and go to that shiny new toy. And And one thing you always stressed to me early in my career was, hey, spend, you know, a couple of weeks, spend a couple of months, you know, on this one move. And uh, And that's one thing that I've done. From the very beginning, I may not have as many moves as other people, but I, I spend more time on a specific brick that I'm going to put in my brick bag. Yep. You know, it's that old master. What, what's a jack of all trades and master of none. None. Yep. yep. 
Hey, so it's Thanksgiving this week. This episode will air on Monday, and Thanksgiving's on Thursday. So I thought this would be an appropriate time to talk about some things that we're thankful for. Uh, Byron, what has jujitsu brought to your life that you're thankful for? Uh, a, a more healthy lifestyle and uh, some really great friends, and a lot of casual friends as well. I mean, they're all they're all good uh, and a fun place to go uh, after a, a long day or after. A not so great day. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. For me, uh, a healthy lifestyle is key, but really it's about the friends. You know, you get to be in your 40s and 50s, and I don't make friends easily. And uh, Jiu-Jitsu has really brought a lot of great people in my life. And I like the diversity that it brings in my life as well. I, um, it, it seems like seems like we gravitate towards people that are like us. But in Jiu-Jitsu, the thing we have in common is Jiu-Jitsu. And the friends that I make in Jiu-Jitsu, my uh, political views, my social, my religious views are often quite different than the views of those that I become friends with in jujitsu. So that is definitely one thing that I like about it. All right. Just hey guys, send us some messages on, on Facebook or uh, email and what has jujitsu done for you or what are you thankful for about jujitsu? We'd love to hear from you. Yep. And ha- happy Thanksgiving guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. You can take a day off of training Unless you're, unless you get open a lot, a lot of gyms have open mat on Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> yep, have a turkey leg, uh, have a have some cranberry sauce, and then go roll. Guys, I've had a great week, and I want to thank our Patreon supporters. I want to thank Greg, Rob, and Brad for their continued support on Patreon. And what what uh, Greg, Rob, and Brad have done is they've listened to the show, they've enjoyed it, or they've got something out of it that's helped them. And they said, you know what? I want to support the BJ Rick podcast. So they continue to do this and even make it bigger and better. And they've gone to the, the link about Patreon in the show notes, or you can just go to Patreon and uh, find us there. And uh, most people pledge a dollar per episode. If that's something that you can't afford, we would greatly appreciate it, and it would help us out a lot. And we mail you out a 5-inch BJJ Brick Gee patch and a sticker uh, as a tokens of our appreciation. And if you're a Patreon supporter and you're not in the private Facebook group, send me an email with your uh, Facebook, uh, like a link to your Facebook page, and I'll get you added into the private group because you guys belong there if you want to be there. And uh, it really means a lot to us to have you guys supporting us through Patreon. So check it out if you want to help us out. Thank you very much. I love that. (laughs) He's been practicing it all week. Well, thanks for noticing that, Gary. I uh, appreciate it a lot. Cha. <laughs> like that didn't fit at all. Cha. All right. Next week is the last week of the month. And, <laughs> and the last week of the month. I got to stop doing that. I'm going to drive everybody nuts. The last week of the month is the topic episode where we just throw a topic on the table and then we devour it and, and fully digest it. The topic will be whether you're, you're playing offense or defense. And we'll talk about several different uh, ins and outs of offense and defense or whether you should be playing offense at this time or playing defense. And it's important to know your role. Um, if, you're, if you think you're attacking while somebody's got full mount, you're probably doing the wrong thing. That's definitely the wrong thing. And that's, just, that's a clear-cut example. But a lot of times there's gray area. And we're waiting when we shouldn't be waiting or we're in a hurry when we should probably be waiting and, and be more patient with things. 
And uh, I think it'll be a helpful discussion to just help us realize, you know, where we are in this, in this, uh, you know, and, and of course it fluctuates as, as the match or the, or the, or the round goes on. You're not always stuck on one or the other, but if you know what you should be doing, I think you're, it's going to be helpful. So that'll be next week, my friends. We've talked about our Facebook uh, a couple of times on here. We've got the quote from our Facebook page, and Gary's going to be posting up a meme about a wrestling quote. Is that right, Gary? You know, I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> if he finds Come it, he'll post it up there. Down, Gary. <laughs> uh, download the, the Beach Brick app. Uh, while you're down there, getting the Maroon app uh, to go hand in hand. Uh, you can listen to the podcast easily on the app. <laughs> Gary, here's the bad thing. It's only funny to you and me and maybe a couple of people out there. So Joe's not even chuckling at it. And he always gives us a sympathy chuckle. So we know it's not that funny. <laughs> That's what makes it better, though. <laughs> anyway, stay sweet, my friends. And don't forget to shower. <sighs> Man, it's been a great episode, guys. Start to finish and once again didn't miss a thing. oh come on guys train hard train smart get better we'll see you on the mats (laughs) thank you for listening i hope you find the time today to roll after all the best way to get better at brazilian jiu-jitsu is to do brazilian jiu-jitsu